Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to episode 80, How Gina Lamana Writes. So, my friends, as I record this intro, I am sitting on the banks of the Arkansas River in Salida, Colorado. It is stunning and beautiful, but I also have basically no internet access. So this intro is being recorded on my iPad. We'll see how it sounds. Just wanted to clear up any sound confusion, any sound issues. Anyways, so episode 80 was with Gina Lamana. Gina has published over 30 novels. And in this interview, we do a deep dive into her writing process. One thing I really love is that Gina has both traditionally and self-published books. And so we get her combined wisdom here. For those of you looking to self-publish, there is just so much goodness in this episode. And same for those who might want to pursue traditional publishing. I want to say a quick thank you to Gina for her time and for this interview. It was a real blast. And now, my friends, without any further ado, here is the episode with Gina Lamana. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Brian, and today's special guest is Gina Lamana. Gina is the author of over 30 novels. We just I just asked how many that, that number was. Uh, the USA Today bestselling author of 30, over 30 novels. I forgot to read that part. Sorry. Both traditionally and self-published, which is really interesting. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you kind of about, about those two worlds. Gina graduated with a degree in actuarial science and mathematics. I had to look up how to say actuarial. <laughs> uh, after deciding she didn't like s- statistics all that much, she moved across the world, uh, calling both Italy and Los Angeles her home before returning to Minnesota, where she now lives with her family. Her latest novel, Three Single Wives, was released on May 11th, 2021, in the United States at least, and it is available everywhere you may buy a book. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I, Like I said, I love listening to your show, and I'm really excited to be be here. Yeah, I, I, am, I am excited. You're excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked up, I looked up uh, actuarial science. I, you know... I'm not the smartest person, but I'm not dumb, you know? And so I was like, how have I never even heard this term before? Actuarial science. And so for those of you wondering, out there wondering, this is what Wikipedia says. Actuarial science is a discipline that assesses financial risks in the insurance and finance fields using mathematical and statistical methods. Yes, exactly. It makes (laughs) as much sense to you as me, which is why I don't do it anymore. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... um, that is a uh, different skill set than writing novels, and mm-hmm. so um, let's kind of talk about that path. So, so you studied, sure, you studied um, numbers essentially, yep, in undergrad, and then now here you are having written thirty books. Like, what what happened? What changed? What kind of set this whole journey out for you? Sure, yeah, that's a good question, and I'm gonna like differ a little bit because while it is a totally different field, I think it writing and math actually do use some of the same. Um, they overlap a little bit in a weird way. 
Um, I write mostly suspense or mystery novels. So there's a lot of like piecing clues together and in a way it can almost feel like a puzzle and it's a lot more fun puzzle than dealing with like imaginary numbers or something. Yeah. But I do think that there's a piece of that overlap that like doing that major can actually help in my writing career. Mm -hmm. um, how I got there though, is I uh, basically, my mom <laughs> told me to <laughs> get a degree that I could use. And, yeah, right, right. and I, you know, I'd always like done math and whatever. So, so I, I got that degree and then I just wasn't fulfilled. I worked for a couple insurance companies and things like that. It just like was never my dream job, if you will. And so I moved first to Italy, then to LA for a bit. And in LA, I was like, hmm, maybe I'll try taking some classes for fun because I don't know anyone out here. I'm completely alone. I don't really love my job. And I want something that like really makes me excited. So I took a couple of classes on like comedy writing and screenwriting and all this stuff. And it was kind of this like big duh moment, if mm. you will, mm. when I was like, I've always been a reader of, of books, obviously. So like, I'm trying to write all these things for like TV or comedy or this or that. And it's like, why not just try writing a book? So I was 23, I think at the time when I was, that, you know, a long time ago out there. And I just started write, writing in my spare time. I do that. It was very like traditional where I would work my day job. I would drive to the only coffee shop in LA that was open yeah. till like one in the morning. I'd, I'd sit there and write until close and then that's how it got started. Yeah. So um, there's two points I want to go to. The, the first one is I love, um, I, I I love how there's no matter your background, um, there's always something you can pull from a different discipline. Not mm -hmm. always. I can't speak in. You know, you just can't. <laughs> I can't say stuff like that. But you are. Oftentimes, there's something you can pull from a previous discipline that you can bring into your life and apply it to the writing life, and it can do a lot of good, you know, that it, mm -hmm. it kind of reinforces this idea that it doesn't matter where you start, you've got something to use in writing. You, most people have something that they can take and use. So I want to get to that point in a second. But before that, before you started writing, like, had you been writing your whole life? Like, was it, was it something that was always there? You always kind of had that like nagging voice that told you like, oh, you should write a novel or you should write something, you should write something, or did it just kind of come up later in your adult life? Um, it came up later in my adult life. I, you know, I hear it so many stories of authors who are like, this is the only thing I ever wanted yeah. to do. And that's, that's not me. I'm totally honest about that. But looking back, I think there were a lot of clues, like in sixth grade, we had to do a report on like something. And I wrote like a 60 page report on the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> like my teacher took points off because it was too long. So if I, <laughs> if I look back, there were clues of what I really loved to do, but I just never considered it as a career. I just, it just never crossed my mind. So it was really, like I said, a duh, or like a a light bulb moment when I realized, wow, this, I really love this. And this could be a career. Yeah. And so there was that definite switch going from like uh, the left side math, like mm -hmm. go to a day job to like make up stories and work for yourself sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, let's, let's talk about how math and, and, and that type of um, analytical, I don't even know how to, what kind of thinking is analytical thinking mm -hmm. can be applied to the writing life. Um, you, sure. you had said you had said it's kind of like piecing, same way you kind of piece numbers together, kind of piecing story pieces together. Um, can you just kind of unpack that a little bit? Like, like what do you yeah. mean by that? For the, for the people, I I do think so. So the reason I'm asking too is because I think there's a lot of people who are like, you know, I'm not somebody who is this highly abstract creative person. 
mm-hmm. I do have a little bit more like systems thinking. And so how, how do you apply that type of um, systems thinking to a creative endeavor, essentially, is, my, is the question. Yeah, sure. I love talking about this stuff. Yeah, um, same here. So they, let's go. I think they are like <laughs> yeah, so intertwined. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like one point is if, if say like my kid or something told me I want to be a writer, I would never tell them to get a degree in English. Just as my personal advice, there's nothing wrong with a degree in English. And I'm sure I would have learned a bunch, but I just think there's so much experience you can bring from any other field. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be math. And that's just to your point, what you're saying, you can pull from a lot of different places. I would say, pick something else that you could use in a job and then write on the side and combine the two until the writing takes over. So anyway, that was a little sidebar, but I just wanted to comment on your point that I, yeah. I completely agreed. Um, but back to the math part, kind of lining up, I think it goes, one of the best examples I can think of is music. I was like a piano player when I was little and I played all sorts of instruments and that's so linear in a way you have to learn the beats, the notes, you follow a script. It's very like one, two, three, four, or, you know, um, of the tempos and everything. There's a lot of math behind it, but to be a really good piano player or something, you have to like be able to put emotion on top of that like mm-hmm. mathematical piece. And I think writing is just like that because every story in the world has ever been told. I write some suspense and some cozy mysteries and there's not an original cozy mystery on the market. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there's how many books about the a baker lady solving crimes yeah. has there been? And what makes it unique is like your individualism going on top of this like very strict format. I mean, you need like the 13 beats from Blake Schneider, save the cat or whatever. Like there's literally an an outline that you have to follow that readers want and they'll be mad if you don't follow it. But so why would they pick your book over any other book? And that's the part where it goes beyond the math. You know, you, you have that math underlying where you can like sit down and write out your outline as detailed as you want. But when you actually put the words together, there's how does your humor come out? How does your emotion come out? How does your romance come out or, you know, whatever. And I think, I think it's such an interesting connection between um, the math of, of actually like plotting out the twists and turns and how you need to hit certain beats. You know, there's always a law enforcement officer boyfriend and, you know, everything. So I think, I think that's a big part of it. And I think um, just to go one step further in running your own business, like you had mentioned, I am both trad and indie published. And mm-hmm. there's like a lot of math that goes into marketing and knowing what's profitable and everything from like when to cut a series and call it a loss versus um, what does click-through rate on your ads. Yeah. And there's just, there's just so much math that goes into it and at a certain point you know there's there's the emotional part of writing the first draft and getting it your your baby out into the world but I think my math background helps me once that's done it's done it's a book it's a product how can I sell it um I don't want that to sound cold but I this is my living this is how I support my family so in a way I can't just write passion project after passion project if I want to feed my little kid. <laughs> yeah. you know, so. yeah. Well, no, yeah. I, I, it's, it, this is so timely. I just started um, writing an essay kind of on this topic, mm-hmm. like the working topic, right? So like the, what would mm-hmm. I think that the title is, is process over prose. And, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's this idea that, you know, as creative people, um, writers specifically, I have no idea why this is, but writers specifically look at things like process, 
mm-hmm. as being inherently creative, const- creatively constrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you have that in other art forms. Like, I, I don't know. And, and I, again, I'm not very artistic outside of this, but like, I don't think music players look at sheet music and think you're, you're constricting my creativity. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't think painters look at, you know, the, 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 um, style or the tradition they paint within and say, this is constricting it in, in a lot of ways. Um, I think one of the reasons writers struggle so much with writing is because, because it is almost too, it's like, it's like that, um, paradox of choice. There are too many options. There, there is too yep. much. And this idea of a process, it doesn't make the writing stale. It just lets you focus on what makes it good. Exactly. You know what I mean? Does that and make sense? It totally because yeah. and there's so much to focus on when you write a book. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, everything from character development to literal like word structure to the overall plot to like scene by scene. There's so much to focus on. So for me, the less I have to think about almost the more creative I can be. Absolutely. If I have that structure, I can just be creative on top of it. I can have them get from A to B in a fun way because I know they have to get from A to B because of that structure. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I totally, I, I think in a lot of ways, I'm, I'm happy to be talking about this because I think in a lot of ways, there's only so much like decision-making muscle that you can use uh-huh. on any one given day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there is a such thing as decision fatigue. And if you've, if anyone out there has uh, a child under the age of like, I don't even know, like I have a nine-year-old that still is decision fatigues me every day. Yeah. <laughs> but like, if you have a child, you understand this concept of decision fatigue. Just like, don't ask me right. more questions. You know what I mean? No. Right. Um, but, but I think that applies to writing too. At a certain point, it's almost like you've made so many decisions on just the process or the structure that like, you don't have as much juice to make a decision on really cool stuff the character can do or really cool touches or what really brings the writing to life. Mm-hmm. And so I really agree with what you said. It kind of gets so, a lot of stuff out of the way so that you can focus on, on the characters, on what, on the story in front of you, which right. I think is just super cool. I think that's why I write mysteries instead of romances. I, romances, I love to read them. They're great. I yeah. love rom-com movies, but for me, it's so hard to figure out what the plot is because I'm like, well, no one's dead. So they're not following any <laughs> clues. So I, for me, just how my brain works, I think that it is a lot. I mean, maybe I have a two-year-old, so, you know, a lot of decisions. To yeah, there you there, go, right? so. so you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would, yeah, there should be like a cozy romance, you know, a yeah, murder exactly. happens in a romance in yeah. a big shop. <laughs> <laughs> created a new go. genre. <laughs> we created yeah. a new genre. Um, so, so let's talk about the business side, and, and this is something I, on the podcast we haven't talked a lot about. And, and I want to, I, I want to start bringing light to the people out there who, you know, they see you and they see your story and they think like, "Wow, what an incredible thing! You make your living from writing." Um, you know, what what goes into for a typical day or, or, or kind of, um, you know, your 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 typical kind of perspective on the business? What what goes into I'm putting in air quotes, making it, you know, as a full-time sure. working writer yeah. in the yeah. year 2021. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, I have to preface this by saying, I think it's a cyclical um, mm-hmm. business, not, not even from the business side, but just from like a life side. I, like I said, I have a two-year-old I'm, I'm due to give birth in like a couple of weeks. So oh my I'm God, congrats. Very, yeah. Thank you. I'm wow. in the, a very, very busy period of life. So <laughs> a typical day for me is different now than it was when yeah. I first started out. So, but, but I think, um, the biggest thing for me is, and I've learned a lot of this as my life has gotten busier. I'm not like 23 and I can't go to a coffee shop and work until <laughs> one and like, you know, lollygag yeah. around. I have yeah. like maybe an hour a day at the moment if I'm super lucky. So 
for me right now, I'm so business focused on what is going to move the needle. And for me, that's writing the book. And it's super easy to get caught up in um, the ads and putzing with like cover copy or even just tweaking your, your book until it's done. And I don't, at this point in my life, have that luxury to edit a book mm-hmm. 500 times unless it's a traditionally published book and they're paying me to do that. Um, but for indies, I don't have that time. So for me, it's just getting the work done. Honestly, I need to sit down and write and I need to sit down and edit. And that is the main thing. And it grows over time. I think one of the big things is um, I, I wouldn't expect to take off in this day and age on your first book. Everyone wants yeah. to, that's the dream, but like yeah. the reality is it's not going to happen. And honestly, you don't want it to happen because you want to build your first book is not going to be your best book. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very like realistic and logical about it. I, yeah. I, I let's have hope, lost that let's dream. Hope it's not. Let's, like, yeah, let's, right? let's, let's hope you get better. You know what I mean? That's like, what I hate I'm it. My, my first book was my last book. That would suck. You know what I mean? Yeah, Spent exactly. 50 years writing less good books. Yeah. So I, I exactly. So, <laughs> so for me, it's, I think the biggest thing is writing, finishing your work and then moving on. And that's pretty much the bottom line to everything. And then the business side will come. You can learn like Facebook ads. You mm-hmm. can learn AMS ads. But like, you don't have to learn it all at the launch of your first book. You probably don't have a ton of money to like put in. Don't spend $10,000 on your first book, you know? Yeah. Um, You shouldn't even really advertise until you get three books out. So get those writing chops up is the first thing. And then slowly add to your um, repertoire. The the, the big points where is that, you know, it comes down to writing good books, kind of first Mm -hmm. and foremost, start small. Um, yeah. you know, there, there's the, the ad world. I came from the ad world before I started doing this. I came from advertising. And so like, when you're like, Oh, Facebook campaigns and click through rates and all those things, like it is a monster world. Like yeah. there is a lot of go, going on in that, in that space. So start, start small. Um, for you, like how much time on average, like as a working writer, like how much time are you spending per day? Um, I'm sorry, you're breaking. Is it me? So you Am broke I... up a little bit. Okay. okay. Hold, hold on one second. Let me see. Recording. Okay. Okay. All right. So um, we're back after a technological snafu that is entirely my fault because I live in an RV and internet in an RV is not super great. That's just the moral of that story. So we were talking about the business <laughs> side of writing and, and I'm really curious in this. And so um, some of the things we were talking about before my internet went kapui was this idea of getting a series of books done, not one, um, you know, kind of really developing your writing chops and then starting small with the marketing side. Is that, is that like a pretty good kind of like sum up? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So, so we authors hear a lot about this idea of building their platform, you know, like, like building your platform. Um, what does that mean to you to build a platform? Like what, what does that like kind of tangibly in the real world look like? Sure. I think it's building a connection with your readers. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's definitely more from an indie side of things than than a traditionally published side of thing things. Um, I, I don't I don't necessarily believe that like an Instagram platform or a Facebook platform is going to sell your books for you. I think your books are going to bring people to you and then you can nurture that relationship. I don't think I have a platform. I have people who follow me on different social media, um, you know, platforms, if you will, but, but that's like a byproduct. And the things I post, I didn't even post about my last uh, indie book release. I totally forgot to post on Instagram, (laughs) but I post pictures of my kids and, or, you know, things I'm baking or 
I garden, things like that. And that is fostering these relationships with my readers. And I think that's the really amazing part that is kind of, it, it's that intersection between business and, um, per, you know, that personal life thing. They really want to like know who you are. This is kind of the first time in history that authors have been so accessible. And when I had my first baby two years ago now, like my readers threw a baby shower for me, you know, mm. and I mean, I didn't, you know, it was very sweet, but, but I wouldn't say that's because I built a platform. I would say that's because I answered every email that came in mm. and, you know, I, like I genuinely really enjoy getting to know these people. I like hearing their stories. I've, I literally, I have gone and stayed at a, a friend's house who the only reason she's a friend is because she started reading my books and we're now friends. So I think for me, a platform is kind of a cold term and it's not something I focus on at mm -hmm. all. I think any, and I think that's why I kind of write across a couple different genres, which is not recommended for mm -hmm. financial success, <laughs> but my readers follow me because they like me and my style of writing. So they're going to try that romantic comedy I'm going to put out or whatever. I'm just mm -hmm. using an example because it's me writing it and they like my writing style and they know me and they kind of trust that experience they're going to get through my books. And even if I write a traditionally published woman's fiction suspense, like Leanne Moriarty, and then I write a cozy mystery, there's still that like Gina aspect to it. So for me, that platform is just about building the personal connections. And I will say there is a point, and I'm at that point now where I, I still do answer every email I get, but I don't have necessarily the time to answer them super quickly or yeah. super in depth. I would, you know, write back every day, but then, you know, you get a response back every day. And yeah, if yeah. I did that now, I would never have time to write. Like I said, I have such a short amount of time in a day that I really have to choose what I do. But when you're beginning, I mean, fostering those readers, I used to send individual arcs to every person and personally email them. And I can't, I can't say enough good things about starting that way and then watching it grow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same. It sounds a lot like starting a business in, in a lot of ways. I think yeah. sometimes, I think yep. sometimes there's, again, it's one of those, like, it's one of those like beliefs that I kind of feel like the quicker we can kind of like smash through that, the better, which is like this idea that, um, you know, writing for the, for the author is also has a lot of components of business. And, um, mm -hmm. in fact, uh, I, I just did an interview, um, and the, the, the guest was saying, you know, everything's marketing, like, like there's so much marketing in everything we do. And it's kind of no difference in this, in this book world. I mean, I've been talking about the book kind of business quite a bit on these kind of recent episodes. Cause it's just so interesting to me. Um, mm -hmm. so, so now as you kind of, you know, you have 30 books done and, you know, you have a readership and there's people who love you and you've done such a great job kind of fostering this community. Um, how is it you kind of look into your future and, and do you set your own goals? Or are you like, here's where I want to get to, here's what I'm shooting for. Like, are, are you, are you aiming at a target right now in mm -hmm. your life? Or are you, what does that look like? Uh, right now it's survival mode. Yeah, right. But, well, it's about, to, yeah, with two as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah but, right, um, right. Um, I, think, I think that's part of the business also is adjusting goals based on your yeah. stage of life. Because hopefully if you're a writer, it's a career. Like I tell my husband, like he, he you know, he's excited for the day he gets to retire. But I, I tell him I'm, I'm never going to retire. Why yeah. would I retire when I, I love what I do sort of thing? So it's a very long um, 
future that I'm looking at and my goals change, you know, based on that. I, of course, have some financial goals um, that I try to hit, you know, a certain number that I try to, um, of income that I try to like, maybe not dip below. Um, and I have general amounts of book releases I try to get out per year, especially on the indie side of things. Um, and my goals change as I hit them. One of my goals a couple of years ago was to be tra traditionally published. And now I've been traditionally published. I am traditionally published. And that's not necessarily like a goal of mine because it's been accomplished. So um, it's interesting because now I need to come up with a new goal. Like what yeah. is my next kind of, I have, a, I have shoot for the moon goals, you know, mm -hmm. and then I have what will feed my family goals. So I think it's that, you know, um, balance between those big dreamer goals that probably everybody has. I want to hit the New York times or have a yeah. movie deal, but that's not something I can actively influence really. I mean, not to, to a certain extent, but not really. Um, so the stuff that I work towards is writing better books is always a goal and trying to find that next series that will be better than the last series. I'm very much a forward thinker. Yeah. I love all the books I've written in the past, but I hope I haven't written my favorite series yet sort of thing. Yeah. So, so that, that all plays into my goals of like, well, I, I really want to have that financial success, obviously, as this is a job. Um, but what else can I do on top of that to make it fun and exciting? Because when I'm making enough money, I'm not incentivized by money anymore. I'm, I'm not like, yeah, that's right. not the most important thing to me. So I need to find ways to incentivize myself. And a lot of that is like, how can I write a new series? How can I write something a little different? Can I get trad published in a different genre? Can I, you know, look for these little ways to kind of dangle the carrot in front of myself to yeah. keep the excitement up? Yeah, no, I, and I, um, I, I really appreciate that. I, I really like that. It, it has, um, I, I love the idea of forward momentum in life, you know, of being like, uh, we're not done yet, you know, and, and always mm -hmm. kind of trying to reach, reach a, a kind of new expression, a new, you know, I, I would say better part of ourselves, but just, but just another, another expression of ourselves, probably the best way to say it. So I, mm -hmm. I, I just love that. So, um, so, so here we are 35 minutes in just like that. It always happens <laughs> so quick. Wow. Yeah. I know. I know it always <laughs> happens so quickly. It, it, it's, it's, it's always, it's always very fast. We did have a couple of minute yeah. tech, tech snafu there, but, um, <laughs> but, but we've just part of the show where, where I get to ask you my final five questions. So, um, for whatever okay. reason, for whatever reason, if this is your first time listening to the show and you're like, why are you asking these final five questions? I ask the same questions every guy. <laughs> every single one and i do it firstly just because i like it and it's my show so i get to do what mm -hmm. i want and the second reason because <laughs> you know so the, the whole point of the show is to celebrate and highlight the way that uh writers write stories and tell stories and part of that is celebrating the diversity of of the ways we do it and everyone's different and what's most important and what the show is really here is to inspire and encourage people to find their way to put words on the page. Just find your way. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's not the way it's supposed to be or whatever. It's find your way. So with that mm -hmm. said, I'm going to ask you these five questions and hopefully it sparks okay. some ideas in people. So question number one, what okay. is the one word that best <laughs> describes you? I came up with a first and a second place. Because okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go with the one my, my husband might say, but I would agree with is stubborn. <laughs> Stubborn. Pretty okay. stubborn. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think, 
I don't think of that necessarily as negative, though it certainly can be in some ways. Um, I am a person who likes certain routines and I like to do things, oh, the way I grew up. And, you know, my (laughs) husband teases me about that all the time. But I think from um, a more gritty side, like, you know, when I, it it helps you persevere through the hard times in writing. You know, I think I have that stubbornness where like, I mean, if, if I get bad reviews or bad, whatever, of course it upsets me, but I mean, I'm pretty stubborn. I'm going to just keep doing my thing anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. What was the second word? Just curious. Um, emotional. I'm emotional. Also, my, my husband would also <laughs> say emotional, which is pretty different, but I think that's that whole like intersection of like, you know, math and yeah. art kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I'm very stubborn, but I'm also very emotional. And I think that plays into my books. I think it plays into how I've built my platform if you will because I get so wrapped up in like these readers lives that they're like they're my friends it's not a platform and you know if they tell me sad news I will like cry over it and my husband's like what what is going on but yeah I I think it's just that intersection is is really important in this field yeah it it, those are two like you you think about kind of like some of the raw materials you need to tell stories you gotta be stubborn because it's not it's not fast you know what I mean you gotta be determined right yeah and then you have to do emotional because right. you actually, you have to have a really broad emotional range because your characters can only go as far as you can feel, you know? Right. And exactly. so, and so if you can feel really far with a broad range and, and embody those emotions, your characters can do that as well. So that's mm-hmm. cool. Okay. Question number two, if you had to pick a spirit book, so this is a book that if you died and you were able to be reincarnated as a book, right? It's the book that like best <laughs> embodies who you are. <laughs> what book okay. would that be? I have I have a little bit of a sarcastic answer, not sarcastic, okay. but um, I'm so focused on my phase of life right now. I would say I've never even read this book, but the four hour work week oh, yeah. <laughs> would probably be mine right now because yep. I I love working. I love my job and I have to do it in a very short a time, amount of time right now. So mm-hmm. um, I when you asked that question and I, I read that question, that was the first thing that popped into my head and I thought it was very accurate for where yeah. I am right now. <laughs> I don't know any of the details about the book, but the title is very fitting. It's the title, right? Tim Ferriss, yeah. man. And if, it's, if, it's a good book. Yeah. So so <laughs> I've never said this on the show. Uh, his podcast, Tim Ferriss's podcast, um, was my inspiration for doing this podcast. I thought I want oh, to do what Tim well, Ferriss does uh, yeah. with writers. So kind of, well, if you see a lot of Tim that. Ferriss stuff yeah. that I do, um, even some of these questions, <laughs> he has kind of quirky questions at the end sometimes too. So anyways, Okay, for our work week. It's a good book for those of you read it. It's good. Um, a little zany and doesn't always make sense, but there's some good nuggets in there. Okay, question number three. Is there a specific tool? It can be anything at all, pencil, software, chair, coffee, tea, wine, cigarettes, whatever, that you absolutely must have to write? I'm going to say like a, a quick no, because I could write anywhere using anything. Um, I sometimes outline by hand, so I don't always need my computer, but generally if I write, I write on my computer and I write in a program called write or die, which turns red if you don't write fast enough. Oh, wow. Wait, 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 wait. This is brand new. Pause. (laughs) Really? Write write or die? Okay. So this is like dating me. I, like I said, I've been in this business for a really long time and this is like, I bought this for like 10 or $20, like 10 years ago. And I don't even know. (laughs) <laughs> whatever. It's just a little box that comes up on your screen. I mean, it's tiny. I have nothing else open. It's tiny. And the screen turns red. You can set it up to do all sorts of things where it'll either start like deleting your words or it'll like <laughs> spiders on the screen or give you weird noises. I just have it. So it turns red, but it helps me think, um, 
keep moving forward. I mean, that's kind of like my theme, I guess, is like, okay, you're obviously sitting here thinking about this. Your screen is turning red and getting mad at you. Move on and come back to it. I don't necessarily skip a, a, a scene or anything. I just, I just literally move on and leave the sentence that I was struggling with as is and come back to it later. Wow. So I love that program. That would probably be the one thing like I use more oh than gosh. I had to buy it the second it stopped working. I rebought it because I was like, no, this is how I get my work done. So, so write or die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to look this up on the heels of this interview. Anyone who, yeah. who is from write or die is out there. Hopefully, hopefully there's a big flood of people <laughs> who go by here. Yeah. We're normally like yeah. Scrivener people on the show. So, so, so getting a new software, I'm like a kind of a nerdy techie guy. So like hearing a new software, yeah. whatever, I'm like, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, right or give it a shot. I, lo- okay. I love it. <laughs> okay. All right. Question number four, how do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life? Well, this is where stubbornness comes in. <laughs> um, but I would say adjusting to somewhat realistic goals and trying to be okay with it. And I say trying because it's really hard. I love to work. It's hard to see your income fall when you go from a full-time writer to kind of full-time mom, kind of full-time writer. Mm-hmm. So for me, a, a big thing has been trying to be more realistic. And like with this second baby coming, I, I know I can only do a certain amount of books mm-hmm. per year. And I know that means my income is only going to be at a certain level. So if I try to keep up with these writers who are, you know, maybe 50 years old and they don't have young kids anymore. I mean, I, I can't keep up and be the stay at home mom that I want to yeah. be. So it's just for me is it's a constant battle to tell myself it's okay that this period of time, my goals are lower than they were even before. And that there'll be a period of time where I can inflate those goals again and get back to it. But right now my kids are young and I want to be there. So mm-hmm. I'm doing the best I can around that. And I think that's for me been the hardest thing about this whole writing career, but it's also rewarding because I can, yep. I can do both. I can write and I can be with my kids. And that is a luxury I'm always grateful for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Okay. Question number five. Here we are. The last question. Okay. If you could give one piece of advice to new writers out there, what would it be? Uh, move, keep moving forward keep or moving move forward. on. Right, right <laughs> yeah. or die. I, right, right. Literally. <laughs> I was good. I was thinking, I was like, well, I could say, right. I bet a lot of people say just right. And I was, was going to say finish things, but I think moving forward encompasses all of that moving yeah. forward, whether it's in your book, whether it's like a crappy last release, whether it's like, man, I didn't get any work done this year because I had maternity leave, like whatever it's in the past, write another book and, and move on. There's always room for you to come back and yeah. write more and finish a product and put it out there. And the sooner you can do it, the better. Mm, I love it. Well, Gina, um, this has been such a fun interview. I love your energy you. and your spirit. And, um, you know, the, the, um, discipline and perspective, right. That you bring to writing. I just, I, I really res it resonates with me. Um, you know, kind of being somebody who is very like outcome focused. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's, I, I really appreciate that. So, um, for those people out there, where can they find you? Where are you online? Where do you hang out? What's the best way yeah, to, to get more info? Sure. About you? Um, my website is just com. I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram okay. and, uh, and you can email me or, or, you know, message me through any of those. And I will respond. It might take a couple of weeks, but I will respond always. <laughs> so. there, yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, Gina, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having this me. I, I really enjoyed interview. it. It's yeah. been really fun. <laughs> yeah. And, um, congratulations. Thank you. Just a couple of weeks thank off. You. Number two. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Two, two, I think it was, at least for us was easier than one. So 
Hopefully you get the same. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> Hopefully you get the same. Hopefully you get the same. Yeah, yeah. We were way more yeah. chill. It was like, eh, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Whereas, whereas yeah. I think I didn't sleep for like three days when my first daughter was born because I was like, she yeah. every three every three seconds. Yeah. So. Anyways, I know how much, that goes. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. It's been so fun, and uh, congratulations on your newborn, soon to be. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> again to Gina for her time. If you haven't yet, please head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. It means the world to me. Also, check me out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Lastly, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.